Welcome to Lessons from Sweet Valley, the podcast where we re-examine the Sweet Valley High series one book at a time and determine what lessons, if any, we can learn from them. My name is Kat Thomas, and today we are discussing Book 12, When Love Dies. My guest today is not only a Sweet Valley super fan, but she is also a self-described infectious disease nerd, currently in the process of getting her master's on the subject. So I can't really think of anyone who is more appropriate to talk to at this moment. All the way from Brighton, England, Emma Kazi. Hi, Kat. How are you? Hi, Emma. <laughs> it's so nice to have you. It's really great to be on the show. I'm, I'm very, very excited to be on the podcast. Despite being 40 years old, it seems like a bit of a strange thing to admit how much I still love Sweet Valley High, but I do. So, yeah, <laughs> no shame. I guess before we get into the world of SVH, I wanted to ask you about your interest in infectious diseases. <laughs> start with that because that's fascinating how did that start um when I was quite young my mum worked for an insurance company and she used to bring a MIMS which is like a medical dictionary thing home and read out really strange diseases that she'd heard about when she was working for the insurance company and people were claiming for different infectious diseases and things and it just really piqued my interest as a child and then when I started studying science at high school and then I did a degree in biomedical science at university and I just really, really loved microbiology, epidemiology, anything like that. And so I just got a bit a bit obsessed with that kind of stuff. And so, yeah, quite recently, I've been lucky enough to be able to start my master's. And then the pandemic happened, which is um, a perfect time to have a master's in infectious disease. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> what has that been like? It's been really fascinating, actually, just to watch things happen in reality, as opposed to what you expect it to happen, you know, all the models and everything, and whether things do follow the patterns that you expect. And they do. <laughs> For the mm. most part, we've noticed that they do uh, very much. But I'm getting a lot of my friends and colleagues asking me questions about things, which mm. I don't like because I'm worried I'm going to get it wrong. Like, what's going to happen now? You know, <laughs> yes. what's going to happen to the R number here? What's, how long are we going to be in lockdown for? And that's the sort of thing that I don't know. I only know the, the scientific theory behind it. I could talk to them to death about the actual virus, but <laughs> not much about the public health side of things. That's not really my, my side. Yeah, no, that's a lot of kind of <laughs> pressure. <laughs> It is a lot of pressure. I've had to say to a few people, I can't talk about it anymore. Just, you know, I'll talk about it later. Not now. Not now. And uh, that coupled with a Sweet Valley High interest, which when did that start? Oh, um, I was thinking about that this morning, actually, because I thought you might ask me, when did I start reading it? And I think I was about nine or 10. I remember going on a, a sleepaway camp type thing with school and my mum had got me a couple of books because I was a voracious reader even as a child, but it was all sort of in Blighton and stuff. But this was a bit older, you know, a bit more exciting. And it was number three, Playing With Fire. Uh-huh. I don't know why she got me that one. Um, and so that was the first one I read. And I remember reading it on the coach and just ignoring everybody and being so excited about this world. <laughs> I love the idea of an identical twin, being an identical twin. Mm-hmm. I just love that. I don't have any brothers or sisters. So okay. I think being an only child, that kind of the thought of having someone so close to you and, and someone who's identical to you was, was quite fascinating for me. And just the otherworldliness of America and it's always being sunny and this amazing beach and the high school thing and wanting to be a cheerleader, but then also equally wanting to be a little bit like Elizabeth Wakefield and be like a cool girl, but still be a bit nerdy. It was, they were just, it just fascinated me. England's, you know, not that exciting and it made America seem really, really exciting. And I've got cousins living over there and, I remember hearing their stories when they go to the beach or they go to Lake Tahoe because they were in California as well. I'd be like, oh, that's really high. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm sure my ideas of what America is like growing up were completely skewed by um, me thinking that everything was just like Californian sunshine. And I now know as an adult that 
you've got a huge country and there's lots of diversity in terms of landscapes and weather <laughs> and people and everything. So <laughs> quite exactly all blonde Californian girls frolicking on a beach. Yeah. <laughs> and you said something interesting how it's like in Sweet Valley, there are kind of very defined roles with each person. They kind of each mm. fill their own spheres, but you can take little bits of them from yeah. each one and kind of identify with those parts in each character. Absolutely, you know? yeah. I spent a lot of time really wanting to be like Jessica, but realizing really? that I was more like Elizabeth Elizabeth. Not I mean, we'll go into Jessica's horrendous in this book. Yes. And in a lot of books actually, yes. but I just like the idea of how confident she was and how sure yes. of herself she was. And as a teenager particularly, I think that almost all teenagers want that level of confidence, that level of feeling like they're good enough. And I, I didn't I definitely didn't have that. I think most teenage girls do really doubt themselves. And just the way that her and her friends, Lila in particular, were just so sure of themselves. So that, I really liked that. I thought that was really interesting. That's a really good point. I can get like wanting to identify with that energy, wanting to kind of like soak up yeah. some of that confidence, even though she doesn't always use it for good. But she's no. got confidence. <laughs> you cannot deny she does not have confidence. <laughs> So um, <laughs> you contacted me through the Lessons from St. Valley Facebook page, and which was so exciting because <laughs> I was just like, yes, please, come on. And, and my favorite thing was when I asked you if you could get a copy of the book. <laughs> Would that be okay? Like, are you able to get a copy? And you sent me this amazing picture of your collection, which, <laughs> I mean, do you have all the books? I do, yeah. I've got all, all of the, um, without going into nerd alert again but all of the sweet valley high originals i have all up past 100 and all the special editions yeah i've been rereading them during lockdown just for fun so it's quite a nice thing to sort of take yourself back to some nice calm happy times so well although this one isn't a calm and happy time but in terms of i think when things are like the way they are at the moment a bit scary and a bit unsure it's quite nice to read things from your childhood so i thought it would be quite nice to reread them it's interesting seeing the sort of messages that i was being sent as a young a young girl and a young teenager particularly in regards to behavior and, and bodies and mm-hmm. stuff like that i just think oh how much of that did i pick up and internalize <laughs> how yes. much of that is you know even now the way i think in certain ways i wonder whether some of that is a small in a small part down street valley not I'm not going to get Francine Pascal, you know, I'm not going to scare her a lawsuit or anything. It's just, <laughs> <laughs> how dare you destroy my, my happiness, my, my possibility of having body happiness ever by describing these perfect bodies constantly. And anyone yes. who's slightly overweight is evil or not very nice or not very attractive. Yes. But there's a lot of that. But then I think in the 80s and the 90s, it was like that anyway, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. I think things were a lot more about the body beautiful. I mean, it, but I do think it did reflect the time. So uh, it's yes. an interesting lesson in history anyway. No, I agree. It's a historical document. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> and I have to say, you're wearing an amazing Sweet Valley High shirt as well. Thank you. It's um, Alone in the Crowd, which is one of my favorite books. <laughs> Maybe you can come on for that one. I'm I would love to come on for that one. <laughs> <laughs> because I feel like I, you deserve a happier or more, I mean, not a better book. This book was not bad, but it's a little heavy. Yeah, it's funny how most of the books are quite lighthearted and every sort of every 20 books they throw in something that's just horrible. Yeah, horrible, you know, emotionally horrible or traumatic even. Yep. Yeah. So this book is called When Love Dies. I'm going to read the summary just to kick us off. Okay. It says, uh, yeah, When Love Dies, The End of Romance. 
The Wakefield twins' older brother, Stephen, is heartbroken. His girlfriend, Trisha Martin, no longer seems interested in him. She breaks their dates and doesn't return his calls. Stephen can't understand why Trisha's feelings have changed so suddenly. Jessica is thrilled that Stephen isn't dating Trisha anymore. She sees it as the perfect opportunity to pair him with her best friend, Kara Walker. Elizabeth, Jessica's twin, thinks that scheming gossipy Kara is all wrong for Stephen. She's determined to find out the reason for Trisha's strange behavior and horrified when she discovers the awful truth. So that's and it is it is awful. It is awful. Um, but and I am a giggler, so if I laugh at any point, I'm not laughing at the tragic storyline. I'm laughing because I'm quite nervous about. The oh my whole gosh! Thing, to be honest. No, thank you for saying that because there are so many times when I'm doing this podcast and I'm editing it, and I'm like, I'm like, Kat, why are you? La-? I'm like, why are you giggling during this time? But I think I have the same kind of quirk. Yeah, so I get that. So okay, that's, good. And same with me. Um, yeah. So. I mean, the book starts, we kind of got a little sense in the last book that Trisha had been pulling back and, yep. you know, Stephen was trying to, he couldn't figure out why she kept canceling the dates. And that's kind of how we're brought into this book. And Jessica is thrilled about this. Oh, she loves it, doesn't she? She's so happy because no one's good enough for her brother. And especially well, not, are, yeah, especially not the Martin family, which, oh, yes. He is not pleasant about the Martins. And it seems to be just because they're poor. It does, she doesn't seem to have much else of an... I mean, I understand she talks about Trisha's sister. Trisha's sister, Betsy, is a school dropout. And, yes. you know, that's that's an issue that Jessica seems to have, even though Jessica doesn't seem too bothered about schoolwork herself. So she picks and chooses when she's got a problem with someone, I think. But yes. she doesn't like her and because Trisha's her sister she's kind of tainted by association yeah I know and I love this moment when she's like how can Trisha not be just like Betsy they're sisters and then Elizabeth is just like "Mm, I don't like that logic here really (laughs) (laughs) Jessica's just she's so mean about the family straight away because they're poor and you know the whole backstory if I'm if you if I may about her fact that Trisha's mom died and then that their dad developed alcoholism and she's like really horrible about that as well and it just shows such a lack of I mean again historical document (laughs) in the 80s maybe people looked at alcoholism a little bit differently but there's absolutely no sympathy for the fact that their mom's dead and their dad's an alcoholic who's barely coping and they're really poor that just seems to go against them and most people with any sort of humanity would feel like oh that's quite sad actually right but yeah no there's none of that and it was nice to actually also in this book to get know a little bit about Stephen yeah, that, that is true, because he's just been the kind of good-looking older brother up until yeah, this point, really. Yeah, and like, I think it's chapter two is like the first time we get a chapter with just Stephen when he's yeah. driving to her house. And I thought it was real clear in this book. Sweet Valley is not a diverse place when it comes to race, but it does have class structures. Mm, and, definitely. you know, there's like, uh, he's driving over there and his headlights picked up the gleam of discarded cans and broken glass that littered the weeds along side the uneven road as far as Stephen was concerned it was a completely different world so it's just kind of like this outskirts of town I can imagine with her neighborhood and and so Stephen goes over to Trisha's to be like what is wrong and Trisha basically breaks up with him in that moment you know he's confronting her he's like why have you been distant and she's just kind of like well I think maybe we should break up you know she doesn't really give a good reason for it no, no, she doesn't. Yeah. She kind of makes out like 
there might be someone else or, or Steve thinks that there might be someone else and she kind of takes hold of that. Yes. And then after Stephen leaves, we, fi- as the readers, find out the reason that she is breaking up with him, which is because she has been diagnosed with leukemia, which is terminal. Oh. And she has and, six oh, months to live. And her, her mom died of leukemia as well, which makes it even more tragic. And yes. it's just, it's horrible. There's a, there's a description um, after Steve leaves when she says she collapsed onto the bed like a dress slipping from its hanger. Oh. And it's just, you can really visualize someone who's quite weak oh. and fragile already in that yeah. situation. And it's just, I think the description of, of how she feels uh, throughout the book is, is really well done mm-hmm. for, for a kind of teenage trashy novel. I, re- I really like the, the humanity that they give her. She is trying her best. And I just think the way that how fragile she is and how delicate she is and the way that's described. Yeah. It's just done really beautifully in parts. And that's one bit when I read it, I was just like, oh, I know, I know. And my first reaction was to be almost angry at Trisha and be like, just tell Stephen you're torturing him. But then it goes into the explanation of her mother and how, how much her father and her mother how much they loved each other. And when her mother died, the father couldn't handle it. And he was tortured by it. And he became this alcoholic. And she, in her mind, thought that, okay, if Stephen doesn't have that love for me when I die, he will not be as tortured as my father was. Yeah, it's just, oh. it's just really sad. It's, oh. it's, it's heartbreaking. And usually that sort of trope does irritate me a little bit but in this context you can kind of see why she would have thought like that yeah if you've seen her her life completely change after the death of her mother and then her dad changed and her sister changed then yep. maybe she, you know, she just just want to hurt sorry not hurt the person who, who she loves so much so, yeah they, yeah like she's not happy about this decision that she's making mm. she is tortured by it but she thinks it's the right decision for steven yeah yeah so Jessica is thrilled about the breakup when she finds out. She's like, she loves it. Woo! She finds out from her friend Kara, who's like, I heard Stephen and Trisha broke up. And Kara's like the big gossip of the school. That's <laughs> what you need to know about Kara. She loves gossip. She and does. she also really likes Stephen. She's always had a crush on Stephen. And Jessica thinks it would be a great idea if they got together, Stephen and Kara. She convinces Stephen to go to a party at Kara's house and Stephen agrees. I. Why does he agree to this? It's it's something to do with her just badgering him and yeah. saying, "Oh, you'll be bored. You'll be bored. You know, you can't sit around moping all the time." Which, if it was coming from a different perspective, it's a really nice thing to say to your brother, like, "Oh, don't sit around being upset about your ex girlfriend. Come to this party." Yeah. But we all know she's got these nefarious motivations behind. It. Yeah. She's like, forget she your ex girlfriend. Yeah. X out that world. Time to move up. Let's Come to, to Kara's house where there are literally six other people. Oh my god! I was it's like, so cringe. Most awkward party ever. That's what I wrote. Down. Oh, so horrible. I loved it because it was so great. She's like, "We're going to the party," and then Jessica calls Kara, and she's like, "You got to have a party tonight, like in a few hours." It's <laughs> like, ah, uh, okay. And even she was like, "What are you doing? I know I really like your brother, but I can't magic up a party oh in three gosh. hours." good it was like jessica on her date lila on her date and then cara and steven so it was like it was just so awkward (laughs) elizabeth just didn't want to be any part of this no setting up of steven and cara you know like she just didn't want to be part of it but she's quite snobby herself with regards to cara because she's just saying oh it's because she's a gossip and she's not good Mm -hmm. enough for our brother that's and 
maybe it is true, but it's it's kind of similar to Jessica in a way because Jessica doesn't want Steve to be with Trisha because she's poor, but Elizabeth is almost acting like she doesn't want him to be with Cara because of how she is as well. Mm, I don't think it's really to do with caring for Stephen and what's best for him. It's more about... They, they both just seemed way too invested about who he goes out with, to be honest Yeah, with you. I like it. Call out Elizabeth, Emma. Call her out. <laughs> it's because I see myself in her, so I'm good. I'm very good at seeing the um, negatives there. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a really good point. They were very, both very involved. And it's like, just yeah. let, him, let, him gre- let him do his thing, you know? like Yeah, let him have a bit of time by himself. You can be single. That's the other thing about these books is everyone has to be paired up all the time. And I, I find know. that really strange. I know. I feel like that, as I'm reading these books, I'm like, oh my gosh, I think that message might have sunk mm. into me at that young age. This idea oh, it definitely like, did with me. Yes. Definitely. Yes. I think I put up with a lot from boyfriends when I was a teenager because in my brain somewhere there was this, you've got to be with somebody, you've got to be with somebody. Yes. <laughs> so I guess we should get into this. A lot of this book, I'm like, yeah. this is like the Sweet Valley version of General Hospital because <laughs> a lot does take place in a hospital um, because... Yeah. Another part of Kara Walker's gossip was she tells Jessica that this local celebrity, local talk show host, is at the hospital because he had a broken leg and a friend of theirs got to see him because she was a candy striper. Is it, wait, Johnny Frank. Johnny Frank. Jeremy. Jeremy Frank. Jeremy Frank. Oh, my gosh. How could I even forget Jeremy Frank's name? That's the local public access talk show celebrity, Jeremy Frank. Very good looking. So Jessica is like okay, I need to meet this guy. And she, that's another great scene where she's trying to convince Elizabeth to volunteer with her to be Oh yeah, that's brilliant. She's like, our lives are so narrow. We need to broaden, (laughs) broaden our world. And then I just, this is, this part I really loved is when Elizabeth, she's like, I never like thought you were so interested in sick people. And Jessica says, how can you say that? Don't you remember the last time you watched Love Story on TV? Which oh, yeah. do you know Love Story? I've never seen that movie. I haven't seen or the it. the book. But, I think it's a book too. Yeah, no, I haven't seen or read it, but I do seem to know about it. But I don't know if I know about it because of this book. <laughs> it's possible. <laughs> I know. I I'm not like a big romance person when it comes to movies or so it basically is a movie about a couple and then the woman has like a terminal illness. And so Jessica talks about how she watched that and she used up an entire box of tissues. And then it talks about for weeks afterward, Jessica had pretended to feel faint whenever a boy she liked came near in hopes he'd think she had some romantic incurable disease. (laughs) (sighs) Those are are words that should not ever go together. (laughs) I know. And I thought that was so interesting that Jessica is fantasizing about this idea of having this incurable disease and all the while her brother is going through this I mean unbeknownst to him but it's just like interesting parallels there no that is a that is a really really interesting parallel yeah so now she's all interested in becoming a candy striper um is that a a thing that ever existed that term in the UK at all no 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 (laughs) idea what I I mean again I know what a candy striper is because of this book but before that I had I think as a child, I read it as Candy Stripper as well, which I think I thought it was something completely different. Um, <laughs> That's a, it's a different kind of yeah. assistance. Yeah, so Elizabeth goes along with this because Jessica's really good at wearing people down, I think. Oh, she loves to manipulate her sister, doesn't she? 
I'm sure Elizabeth thinks that she'll be able to write a nice article about it at some point. Yes, well. exactly. And she, she does end up like enjoying it and and is inspired to write this this series of articles in the um, Oracle about people of Fowler Memorial, which is the hospital's <laughs> name, of course. Of course. <laughs> yeah. So. Elizabeth and Jessica are at the hospital and one of the women who is in charge of them is like, Elizabeth, go talk to this woman. She's your age. And she walks in and it's Trisha. And oh, Trisha hooked up to an IV looking even more like a porcelain doll oh, than ever before. This like broke my heart, this scene. I'm like, oh my God, this girl is alone at this hospital. She's going <sighs> to die in six months and she is alone. Oh, alone having like, some kind of you know, chemotherapy, palliative care. It's just, yeah, it's, it's so sad. It's so sad that nobody is there. I mean, you can kind of understand her dad, maybe not wanting to go there because of what happened with, with his wife and her mum. But the fact that Betsy's off as well. Because she confesses to Elizabeth that she is going to not recover. And that was like, Mm. oh my gosh, she said that out loud to someone else. And Oh. she's very brave with the way she says it as well she's mm-hmm. obviously got past the stages the whole denial and she's just it's very matter of fact mm-hmm. yep and i think elizabeth did ask her like what's where's your family where are they and i think she said that they're kind of in denial about it okay because of what happened to their mother like yeah oh yeah they're talking about denial. cures deep down they know but it's oh yes it. yes yes oh yesterday i caught papa looking through an old album of my mother's pictures i could tell he's been crying he oh. depends on me so much I wonder how we'll get along without me. And then Elizabeth goes, oh, it won't be easy for Stephen either. It's like, well, yeah, but Stephen hasn't lost his wife and now his daughter to leukemia. Right. So it's very sad for Stephen. But at the same time, we have a bit of, this is what I mean. It's almost because he's an alcoholic. He's not a proper person. Mm. I don't know. I just I just dislike that kind of, oh, yeah. What about Steve, though? What about the Wakefield? That's more important. Yes, <laughs> good point. That's a really good point. Yeah, and I like when you talked about she has this matter-of-fact way of talking about dying. And she's like, I've accepted it. It's strange. You know, whenever I used to think of death, it really scared me. And then she said, um, she thought, I thought it was the worst thing that could ever happen to anybody. And then she says, living without love is worse than dying. Oh, I yeah, that, like, that's that's oh. that's the bit in the book that really felt like a knife to my chest, to be honest with you. It was just that just, oh, oh what horrible, it just doesn't make sense to me. It's like, if you, if you haven't got any love, you know, why not have that last bit of love for the last six months yes, of your life? Yes, I on, Trisha. know. <laughs> she makes Elizabeth swear. She's like, yeah. you cannot tell your brother. She makes her promise, sacred promise, do not tell. And, you know, Elizabeth agrees. Because, like, what are you going to say? But a part of me is just like, just say no. Just, just lie to the dying girl. It's exactly. fine. Will and don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> but Elizabeth, she agrees. And now Elizabeth is completely tortured. Yeah. Because she has to live her life with this information. She's like us, the readers now. We're, like, seeing these people in pain all over the place and she's trapped. I feel bad for her in this moment. Yeah, yeah. I know I do. I do completely. I mean, yeah. she's in such a horrible situation because whatever you do is wrong in that situation. It's yes. just, a, just, oh, and then yes. magical Mr. Collins. I know. I was like, yes, lovely like, Mr. Collins. Like, who could I tell? I don't know. And then it's just like, enter Mr. Collins. I like his advice. I don't know. What did you yeah. think, Emma? No, I, I liked it. I thought it was good. Oh, he does. I think most of the time the advice he gives is solid and it definitely is in this book. Yeah. I mean, he basically says every so often we make a bad promise mm. and it's okay to break those. And, and I love how Elizabeth 
asked like, how do I know if I break it, I'm not making a bigger mistake and making things worse. And he's just like, trust your instincts. Yeah. What is your instincts tell you here? I was just like, that is brilliant, you know? Yeah, it's, it's, it's brilliant advice. It's really, really, really good advice. And I think that he, he hits the nail on the head very much. And it makes Elizabeth, I think she just needed that permission yes. to know that what she wanted to do was the right thing. Yep. And that's uh, great. So she's going to tell Stephen. And this next part like made me laugh because Stephen is going to go out on a date with Kara that night. And oh, Elizabeth yeah. wants to is hoping that he'll get home before dinner so she can talk to him alone. But he doesn't. He, he arrives right at dinner. And I was just like shouting at Elizabeth. I was like, <laughs> you just need to tell him now. Like, we just take him a, aside and tell him now. <laughs> there's a deadline here that yeah, literally is, like, like you need to just tell him at dinner. Who cares if the family knows? They're going to know eventually. Yeah, just they're going to find out very soon. Him. I was like screaming. Yeah. I was so afraid something was going to happen to Elizabeth and like she wouldn't oh. be able to tell him. I was like, oh my gosh, don't get in a car accident. I mean, the next- They get held up somewhere. I mean, we'll get into the thing. next book, yeah. but the next book is called Kidnapped. I was like, she better not get kidnapped <laughs> before she has a chance to tell Stephen. That was like my worst fear. That was, I was genuinely scared about that. And then Stephen runs off right after dinner to go on his date with Kara. He's taking her to like a college party. And she doesn't get to tell him then either. And so I'm just like, oh, no, no. But yeah, they go to this college party and it's just, it's not good. Not good. (laughs) No, it's really not. Yeah, they. I think they're just in a dorm, and it doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't seem like there's that much going on. No. They kind of dance a little bit, and then someone brings up Trisha, and then Stephen kind of is trying to pump her for information. Yeah, and, and then I think that's one of the reasons he carries on going out with her is because yes. they yes. they make out, or Jessica, I think, makes out that, that Kara knows all this information about Trisha, and yep. so she he's trying to get more information, like who's this guy that she's seeing, yes. what's going on. Yep, I agree. And eventually Kara is just like, all right, you need to stop talking about Trisha if we're going to be a couple. And Stephen was like, wait, what? He's like, excuse me? A couple? What are you talking? I think that really that drives it home for him, though, because I don't think he realized what he was doing. I think he was just going through the motions a little bit. And all of a sudden he was like, well, hold on. I don't want to be with you. Yeah. I want to be with Trisha. He's like, I love Trisha. And and Kara is just like, whatever and she kind of it's just awkward and they end up leaving together and I think Stephen just realizes that he gives himself permission to say that he is still in love with Trisha and that's okay absolutely I think it's it's good I mean I think he's a bit cruel in points like his mental gymnastics are quite cruel when he talks about Kara's perfume and about he could smell Kara's perfume, but not like Trisha. He thought she didn't have to wear perfume. Yeah. The scent of her skin and hair was naturally delicate and sweet. So like, no, no, that's her perfume, mate. <laughs> right, right, perfume. right, 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 right. I mean, is... I understand the comparison because he's still in love with her. So, of course, nobody's going to measure up to her. But it just seems, I don't, again, this is me taking it as a 40-year-old woman rather than as a teenage or under teenage girl. But the idea, that's that comparison thing again of, you know, Mm -hmm. she's better than you. And it's just, it should be more, she's not you. That's... Kara isn't Mm -hmm. Trisha. That's the, it's not that Kara is worse or better than Trisha. It's the fact that Kara isn't Trisha and he loves her. And I think that competitive element always has to be in there somewhere Mm -hmm. with the Sweet Valley High books. And that's, again, with the messages, that's quite, uh, I just think it's a bit of a dodgy 
thing to tell young women yep. that it's all about competition. Yeah, I think I forgot to bring this up. But yes, Stephen, he describes Trisha, at, this is early in the book, but he says Trisha's presence in his life had been like the sun and the moon and the stars all rolled into one. <laughs> I'm like, well, who's going to live up to that? Nobody, nobody is ever going to live up to that. I mean, I do worry a little bit about Stephen after this. Like, how is she's going to die tragically young as well? So, I mean, you know, that no one is ever going to meet is going to meet that that standard. Hundred percent. I mean, I'm like, how can Stephen date anyone else after this? But. So Stephen kind of leaves and they separate and he gets home early and Elizabeth is like, oh, yay, Stephen's home early. And then I felt relieved a little bit. I was like, "Okay, this is the moment. Yes. And so Elizabeth tells Stephen and it's brutal. Oh, my God. Oh, it's so brutal. It's so brutal. I mean, he just blindsides him, doesn't he? Because he doesn't expect it. As far as he's concerned, she's been cheating on him. She's got another bloke. She's happy with someone else now and mm-hmm. then just oh by the way yeah that's not what's happening she's dying go to her basically yes and he rightly storms out which is like yes that's what you should do and he goes over to trisha's house and and she still tries to kind of keep up the the facade and yeah she's like i'm getting ready for a date and she just looks horrible like she's pale and thin and horrible but still so, yes i mean stunningly beautiful in steven's <laughs> eyes <laughs> that is true that is true she is the still the sun and the moon and the stars but, of course all rolled into one <laughs> yes all rolled into one and he just says he says trish baby i know oh and she just collapses in his arms yeah so sad yep and it's like she finally was able to let all of that out the floodgates opened and it yeah, was just the floodgates like opened. she like collapsed basically and i think she obviously needed some kind of support as well because she wasn't getting it from no. her family and so no. the fact that, that Stephen could be there and be strong for her as well i think is really good for her yes. in, in the position she's in yes they have a conversation and you know there's a lot of i mean this is classic melodrama this moment when they're together and this is very love story you know yeah. these lines like forever wasn't a long time for them or forever yes. was maybe forever wasn't such a long time for yes. them but when you love someone as much as you love Stephen, a day could be forever even a moment yeah which is lovely it is i mean it's a bit lovely. cheesy isn't it but it is lovely no. and in that situation of course you'd feel like that yes and he says yeah nothing she's like i wanted to save you from that kind of hurt and he said nothing could hurt me more than losing your love She's like, and she oh. talks about how she feels stronger now and she can face death now yes. he's there by her side. And it's just like, oh, oh my gosh. I'm clutching at my heart as I was as I saying it because it's just, you know, I, it's, it's a lot. But bearing in mind how fluffy these books usually are, for them to come along in book number 12 and go, by the way, we're going to have some quite traumatic, you know, teenage death scenes and talk of true love. And yes, it's just, it's really really upsetting i know and then just this idea of like having such a timeline on their time yeah. together it's like there's like an ending point this is a tough one it is it is a really <laughs> tough Sorry, one Emma. i was like, okay. I'm like come on the podcast and talk about this great uplifting book now but it's no, but i think it, i think it's good even though it's usually like i said usually quite a lot of fluff it is nice to have those kinds of themes in there as well and as yes. a, you know a young a young person as a teenager or just a bit younger it's it's nice not nice it's good to have something mm-hmm. like this in there just to 
remind you that life isn't all hearts and flowers. Yeah, I agree. I'm a real believer in thinking that you need to know about the positive and the negative. So yeah. this sort of thing, you know, people do die young. It is is mm-hmm. something that happens, and so yeah. I think it's dealt with well enough that I think it's it's positive. It's not it's not glorifying the illness. It's not. I don't think it really tries to make it romantic. I think right. sometimes some books can romanticize things like this yes. but it's not doing that particularly with the way that Trisha was trying to be strong and trying to hold herself together and not wanting to upset anyone it's it's done in a in, in quite an adult way I think yeah I, I like that yeah it's, it's good yeah so that's kind of how that story is wraps up Trisha is still alive she has not passed away yet and no, her and Stephen are yet. spending all this t- all the time together which is great and I guess we should, foreshadowing for the next book, one thing we didn't get into was at the hospital, there yes. is a orderly. Carl, Carl the orderly. Carl the orderly. And <laughs> Carl has taken a liking to Elizabeth. You know, I, I just wanna... there. He's there a lot, isn't he? She's like turns yeah. around and there he is again. And she's really nice to him because she's Elizabeth, Elizabeth. So she's just nice to everybody. Yeah. He just seems a no. bit, like a bit shy and yes. a bit. A bit odd, maybe, but there's nothing sinister really around surrounding him, apart from the way she describes him. She describes him as husky. Yeah. And I don't really know what that means. I think it means but like, them saying he's fat. Maybe short <laughs> and sturdy. Yeah. Because you know how the Sweet Valleyans don't like short and sturdy no, people, do they? No, that is not. You've got to be tall, you've got to be slim. You've got to be That's shapely it. and tall and tan. <laughs> I mean, she did say that she could kind of feel his gaze on her a lot when she was walking around and she would kind of turn around sometimes and he would scatter away (laughs) or or like turn away. And, and it's, you know, it was interesting because she kind of talks about feeling a little bit uncomfortable at times, but really kind of talking yourself out of that and being like, he's just looking, he's not doing anything. And that's quite, that's, that is a, something that I think a lot of, a lot of women in particular people socialize as women have where mm-hmm. you do have people kind of staring at you and mm-hmm. it's uncomfortable but it's not ever enough for you to be like ask them to stop or anything yeah. so I'm, just like, what? I'm just looking at you but you when people are looking at you in a, in particular ways it can feel quite threatening right. and she never goes so far as to say anything to anybody about how threatening it feels but it's obvious mm-hmm. that she does feel like you said very uncomfortable yeah and so this book ends it, it, it switches very quickly from melodrama yeah. to thriller <laughs> It's literally half a page, I think. I was like, <laughs> whoa, like, I, I can't process what is happening right now. <laughs> yeah, it's not very subtly done, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's your classic. I mean, we've seen this before in movies and other. Your classic yeah. walking through the abandoned parking lot, hearing noises, but like kind of feeling a little weird. Yeah. She gets into the car. Carl knocks on the, you know, window and he's like, we're all screaming, lock your door, Elizabeth, lock like, your door. <laughs> go, get out. And Carl's like, well, Mrs. Willoughby wants to see you. And she gets out and, you know. Any chloroform, sir. Chloroform, sir. This is like so, <laughs> oh my God. This this feels very like, um, dated is not the word, but it feels like this scenario is just in it, the Yeah, it's, it's a very big cliche, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. So that's kind of where the book ends. Like uh, the last sentence is, what is the last sentence? I'm curious. Then everything went black. Elizabeth's last thought as she slid into unconsciousness was that this was no nightmare. This was real. Ooh. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's that's how we leave this book. And whew, it was it's an emotional roller coaster. I'm it like, was a real doozy. I'm exhausted. I need to like. I mean, it's too early for a glass of wine, but I'm like... I, I was about to say I need a cup of tea, I'm but like, that's probably the most English thing I could say, isn't it? Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> I 
need a nice cup of tea and a sit down after that. Yeah, I need to like, I don't know, do something. When you told me that this is one was do- we were doing, I was like, oh, <laughs> why couldn't I do Too Good to Be True or Kidnapped? But having reread it and see, looking at it from a actual adult perspective, I really enjoyed it. So okay. I think it's, you know, it's nice to have that that level of interest there where it's something a bit more a bit more hardcore not yeah. so um not so fluffy come on, come on the podcast and we can talk about when love dies <laughs> <laughs> but i i swear i i like i elizabeth wakefield non-bad promise you that you will come on for 36 and we will do that one i promise thank you very much i will not thank break you. it because it's not a bad promise it's a good promise. i will hold you to that yes. i will definitely hold you to that so we end the podcast by sharing a lesson that you've learned from this book. Emma, is there any lesson that you can take away this read around? Oh, well, um, I think the lesson with this is about honesty, mm. really, mm. and about how particularly when you're facing difficult times, it's, it's better to be honest and ask for support rather mm. than try and cope with everything yourself, because we are a we are a pack animal, a group animal, and I do think that it's difficult to hold things on your own shoulders and, and not share the load a little bit. So that would be my lesson is that yeah. to be honest and to ask for support if you need it, because yeah. that's what Trisha should have done from the start, really. But we do understand. We do understand. Them. But I think that's a great lesson. And if I may have a second one. Please do. Be... <laughs> Please. You can't have too many well, lessons. <laughs> the second one would be about um, not comparing yourself or not allowing people to compare you to other people. And if they do compare you to other women or other people, then you need to just forget them. Because, again, I understand Stephen's issues with Cara not being Trisha, but it wasn't about her perfume or what she looked like. It was about the fact that she wasn't Trisha. And so I think there is a lot of comparison in this book that doesn't need to be there. And I think that that, that's a message that isn't very healthy. So you don't need to compare yourself to other people, even if you do get dumped for a dying girl. I love that. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And my lesson was, I mean, I just, I I stole Mr. Collins lesson, but I'm going to take it one step further. The trust your instincts. And Elizabeth did that in the, in the case with the bad promise. But I feel like in the case of Carl with the orderly, that's another instance where she should have kind of taken that advice and maybe talk to someone about how it made her feel and get, bring in someone else because definitely, at least then that person, you know, I don't know what's going to happen next, but if she had talked to someone about Carl, maybe that would have been on their brain or I feel like I'm, I'm just I'm like looking quiet. at you. I'm like, what's going to happen, Emma? Once we stop recording, I can tell you what happens, but I won't do it now. <laughs> no, but no, that's, this, it's a good, it's a good lesson is listen to your gut, trust yes. your instincts. Trust your they, gut. It's usually trying to tell you something. Yep. Yeah. So lots of lessons, intense lessons. <laughs> Very intense lessons. Yeah. Emma, thank you. Thank you so much for coming on for oh, this thank one. thank you for having me. It's been a blast. It's been I've really had so fun. much fun. Emma, how can people connect with you on social media? I'm on Instagram um, at Thalassophile-esque, which is a really weird, it's like Thalassophile because I love the sea because <laughs> I live by the sea with Thalassophile, E-S-Q-U-E at the end. Um, that's the only social media I have. And it's just basically pictures of either me trying to look moody um or my amateur photography i've got a lot of sea shots because i live right by the beach in brighton and so it's um lots of arty shots and things like that 
Okay, so please subscribe to the Lessons from Sweet Valley podcast on iTunes to receive new episodes as soon as they are available. You can now also follow us on Instagram at Lessons from Sweet Valley or on our Facebook page to share reactions to the shows or just your any SVH memories that you have. We would love to hear from you. Thanks again and see you next time for book 13, Kidnapped.